the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Getting on my leader right up to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. My name's Mark Isles, and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is the show with all the Bolton Wanderers headlines, with none of the hassle of actually having to read words. And coming up this week... Elton John, Jerry Halliwell, Anthony Joshua, we gave your boys one hell of a beating. We talk about Wanderers' best performance of the summer at Watford. From Hornets to Bees, it's time to get second string with the friendly Atherton Coles. Farewell, Mr. Darcy. The last of the junior whites heads out to Swindon. And what scares Sammy Lee? Stick around, we'll tell you. But first, a reminder that there's only just five days left to claim a free 30-day trial of the Bolton News Premium subscription. Lots and lots of content to come, especially with a certain anniversary of a certain stadium just around the corner. We've got some big plans for that. Head to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe if you haven't already done so. Find out what all the fuss is about. And now it's time to introduce a man who has in his hands documents which prove he will be the owner of Birmingham City. It's, no, sorry, Henry Hewitt. It's Henry Hewitt, really. Um, I'm trying to think of similarities me and Lawrence have. And uh, no, I've seen seen some videos on social media the other day that resurfaced. I can safely say that, no, I don't have much. Only one of of you like mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah. Fair to say. Uh, Actually, do you like crisps? I do like Chris, yeah. Well, there we go. Well, a, a certain person who we may or may not be talking about um, used to pick up the phone and would be eating crisps from the get-go, uh, making it very difficult to understand what he was saying uh, quite a lot. So, hey, he likes crisps, you like crisps. Basically, peas in the same pod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about pod. Let's get on with the podcast. Um, yes, it's, uh, it's it's been a really, really busy week. I've just been moaning to you off air, to be fair. Um, we've had uh, a game against Wigan that nobody got to see, except for me. Then we've had a game at Watford that nobody got to see, except for me. And then a game at Atherton Coles that loads and loads of people turned up, and most of which went away thinking, I wish we hadn't seen that. So um, let's let's go chronologically. I suppose we're going to have to touch on the Wigan friendly um, and not have a meltdown about it. They lost the game, lost the game 1-0 to a penalty, uh, scored by Charlie Wyke, which I will say now, it's great to see him back on a football pitch, regardless of what shirt he's wearing. It's uh, it's really good to see that. Um, Elias Kuchunga missed a penalty a few minutes beforehand for for, what, for Watford, good grief, for Wanderers. Mm. Um, and I, I don't think I've seen a worse penalty ever. I mean, what's the wor- worst penalty that springs to mind for you? Oh, there was... I don't know who it was or who he was playing for, you, but you'll know because I'm sure you were watching like the the blooper videos that came out in oh, the north yeah, in the nineties. Yeah. The one where the guy scuffs it um, and it's he doesn't even get to the goal line. It's the um, it's non-league. It's, it's really sandy uh, sandy penalty yeah. area, isn't it? Um, I, um, I yeah, and well, of course, there's the Thierry Henry, Robert Perez one for Arsenal as well. So there has been a few to let Kachunga off. There has been a few. 
Yes, yes. I mean, you know, normally I would be able to rattle that off the top of my head because that's the type of guy I am, but I can't remember who took it. But everybody will have seen that clip, I'm sure. But yeah, uh, Kachunga, there's a golf course in behind the field that Bolton were playing on and I'm pretty sure some golfer will have been put off by the sight of a bouncing ball because it went up angle-wise. It was almost 90 degrees. He chipped it so high. It would have been a it would have been a, a fantastic conversion. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean that would have changed things because Bolton were playing well. In fact, Bolton did play well against Wigan. I, I promise you that is the case. Uh, they did, um, you know, w- Wigan didn't look especially convincing to me, but they were very much, you know, its first couple of games into their preseason, so they're bound to be a bit rusty. Such is life. Not too much of a meltdown really on social media was there afterwards. No, I was uh, pleasantly surprised actually because I did text you, didn't I, during well at the end of the game, saying, uh, "Is there going to be a meltdown?" And you you said, "Yep." And I thought, "Oh no, it's going to be four, five, six nil." And then when it came through one nil, I actually thought, "Oh, it's not that bad actually." But um, yeah, it's um, I think people are just taking it into perspective, and you know whatever you think of Wigan, they are now a Championship club. So um, and we did lose four nil to them last year. So to hear. Uh, that we got a, a moral victory, according to Ian Ebert, oh, was yes. um, was good. And, and let's face it, as nice as it is to win games, and like it was nice to beat Watford, um, I didn't think there were much of an overreaction personally to the Watford results. So I think people are, are kind of, OK, when we beat Longridge 9-0, people are getting excited. But <laughs> since then, I think people are kind of understanding this is just to get the players used to playing with each other again and, and fitness fitness up. There's, there's an argument and I was having this conversation with the press officer at Watford, and we were talking about behind closed doors friendlies, and he said, to be honest, there's an argument for all friendlies to be behind closed doors, and for all friendlies not to be reported on as well, to be fair, because it is just a training session. And you do feel sometimes when you sit and watch some of these games that you, I'm obviously there to to compile a match report and to to add a bit of colour and all that sort of stuff to it. But really, the actual football itself, it does feel like a training session. It does feel slightly, I mean, I, I don't like to talk ill of other publications, but there is another publication that actually did player ratings for all the, all the friendlies and even the the B team's first game at Atherton Coles last night. I mean, how on earth that is? It, it it seems like a waste of time to me. But that's just me. What what do you reckon? Would you would you be interested in player ratings from the Wigan and Watford game? Um, no, I mean on that publication, I I didn't know they'd done that. So I, that's I I that's and with respect to you, I know you put a lot of hard work into your reports but I think with friendlies you're kind of looking did they play well or who scored and what's the manager said kind of thing so you kind of you know like um, yeah I think you, 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 only really, you can't overanalyze yeah. it you can't overanalyze no. it really it's impossible it's, it's, it's a, a complete exercise in futility um, especially when a lot of the time with these friendlies you don't get a great vantage point as I found out, so the Wigan game, we were perched on a rail at the side of the dugout, which was interesting because you got to hear everything that, uh, that Ian Everett and his staff were saying and, and, you know, the players are making comments and all that kind of stuff, which was quite cool. Um, then with the Watford game in the middle of Hertfordshire, you know, I don't know whether anybody knows, they actually have a training ground which backs onto Arsenal's training ground. So we came past the Arsenal training ground. There's loads of fans outside uh, waiting yeah. for players driving out. And then you kind of turn into Watford and it's, oh, here's Watford. 
There we go. Yeah. There's, there's not a soul in sight. Lovely place. Uh, and, and I must say, they treated us really, really well down there. Um, I actually enjoyed getting there. But they only told us we could come the night before the game. Until that point in time, there were no journalists allowed. Right. So it was a bit of a, a bit of a rush job to be there. I had not much preparation. Couldn't really say what I was able to do. They did say we weren't allowed to live tweet or live report from the game, um, which was a little bit annoying because the clubs were allowed to do so. Um, but there we go. Well, that's that's strange. Like, what's? I, I know Watford had just beaten, uh, sorry, been beaten by Cambridge, aren't they? So mm. I wonder if that was from them going. We we kind of don't want as much of coverage on this as possible but um yeah that's that's very strange but um and for you to travel all that way as well you'd think that they'd give you a little bit of i don't know leeway on on what you can do well you know i don't you know me i don't like to moan uh but <laughs> it, it was weird it was weird and I, as I said before, I've said a couple of times, I would rather behind closed doors friendlies be exactly that. If you're going to do it, when they used to do behind closed doors friendlies, you maybe ring the manager up afterwards and say, oh, you know, how did it go on? You know, so-and-so's hurt his leg or, you know, so-and-so played for, for 60 minutes, he's been injured. That was a behind the clo- a closed door friendly. Now it's it's actually, it feels a little bit like it's, right, here's, here's a chance for clubs to have their own content with nobody else looking in. Um, yeah. here's, here's some nice uh, social media stuff that we can create because there's nobody else here. Mm, feels feels a little bit iffy if you ask me, but I might be reading a bit too much into it. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But yes, Watford was a great performance. Great performance, have to say. Um, we watched from the kind of touchline and by the side of the pitch, there was actually a, a giant, like it looked like an old river or a stream rather that dried up. I did consider at one stage using it as a makeshift press box and kind of like kneeling in the ditch and using uh, using the bank to uh, rest my laptop um, because I, I miss press boxes I miss I miss seating I really mm. do I haven't I haven't sat down properly for a good few games now so I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, Carlisle this weekend I'm sure they've got a press box and, I think uh, with some of the weather as well I think you're missing press boxes just for a bit of aircon or <laughs> To get out of the sun. Yeah, I mean, you very rarely get aircon. But, uh, yeah, to get out of the sun, I look like Zoidberg from Futurama. <laughs> my, my my skin, I don't I don't tan fast. I do tan eventually. But I, I, I turn a special grade of pink. And uh, Luke Gallagher as well, who will probably be listening to this, um, has been suffering. He's He's been, he, he's been uh, smearing himself in... Uh, duck fat like Shane Warne or whatever and, and, <laughs> and making sure he can uh, duck fat. Now I'm sure that'd roast you wouldn't that? would be horrible. Um, no, yeah. he, he's been painting himself uh, in, in all sorts of uh, all sorts of stuff to keep out the sun. I've been less wise um, and I've managed to burn myself about three or four times now so um, by the time I do go to Mexico at the end of the month um, yeah, hopefully I will have turned somewhere near uh, a light tan who knows. Um, but enough of my skin. Uh, I te- I, I'll, I'll tell you something about Watford Never seen as many flies. Really? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You're trying to cover a game. It was like swarms of flipping things. Uh, and worse still, all the Wanderers staff had white T-shirts on. So they were attracting all these flies. And you, you know, sometimes when people have a beard of bees. Yeah. It was a bit like having a T-shirt of flies. <laughs> the way they were going about it. It was ridiculous. I don't know why it was the case, but there were so many flies in Watford. No flies on Wanderers, though, I will say, because they, no. they were they were excellent. Um, Dapo, excellent again. 
Uh, he's, he's, he's goal he's, well. Sorry? He took his goal well. Yeah, he did. It was a cracking goal. Really uh, built up really well. Unfortunately, another offshoot of, of friendlies is that you don't necessarily get a good camera point. So I noticed on the inside wonders that they put out, you could kind of see that it was a good move, but it was very far away. Mm. Um, but they'd actually built that move up across the back really well. And they kind of drawn what for one way, then the other way. And then they kind of burst through the gap and uh, MJ Williams played the ball around the corner for uh, Dapo to run in and he finished well. Um, but Dapo's in good form and playing up front alongside Dion Charles, I think that might be the future. I think that might be the future. It's the garlic bread. <laughs> it's the garlic bread of formations. Um, but we've all been saying, you know, is it going to be Backer and Charles? Is it going to be Dion and Charles? Is Catcher's been scoring goals? Is he going to look in? Dapo might not be the number 10. He, he, I, I, we said before, he's maybe not settled in that position especially well, or it doesn't bring his best talents out. But when you put him up front with Dion, I like the look of it. Yeah, it seems to it seems to have worked when because uh, I think back was it was it the Sunderland game was, at home? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and obviously we all know how well that did. So yeah, maybe that's an extra option. So um, you know, I mean, if I was the likes of Kachunga, I would be worried with the thought of that Affaline can play in that position because um, you know that would obviously be extra competition for him. But like, uh, yeah, it's it seems to work well. Um, you're right of that goal. We, the angle we got, MJ Williams, an excellent pass. And, and if they've got that um, that mindset and if they've got that link to their MJ Williams thinking, I just need to, no matter how I do it, just get the ball in behind the defenders and you've got two players running onto it. It could be frightening because as we've seen last year, um, you know, League One defenders, are, they're, all, they're good, they're a good standard, but a lot of them aren't that fast. So uh, maybe that's something we can... Uh, we can get on the other side of, but um, no, it, it's yeah. It seemed like it. It seemed to me that Bolton um, chances. Obviously, Watford had theirs, but uh, a player that seemed to stand out for me was um, uh, going off the commentary was was Joel Dixon. And mm. uh, it's have you been impressed with his preseason? Is is it not a foregone conclusion that James Trafford will start? I, I think Trafford will start, but I think I would hope. Well, I would, I would hope that a lot of fans have not written off Joel Dixon anyway, because he's he's Bolton's number two, and he may well be needed this season. But um, I, I think if you've seen some of the saves that he's made, and certainly his communication, his, his confidence seems to be up there. I, I feel a lot better about him stepping in if Trafford were to pick up an injury or to be unavailable for whatever reason. I think there probably would have been a collective intake of breath at some stages where kind of worried about whether Dixon was the requisite quality. Um, I was, I think we both were, I think we were We were both kind of a little bit protective of him when he was being made the scapegoat around Christmas. I don't think he was as bad as being made out. Yes, you could tell there was a slight confidence issue and, and a decision did have to be made at that point and they, they made it well. But he's not a bad goalkeeper and, and I think he's shown this summer a couple of performances now against Stockport and then, uh, which you will have seen on the on the stream, but then against Watford as well, some cracking saves, and it just helps the confidence. And you you know, it's no different to any other position. Confidence makes you a better player. So, yeah, I, I, all that rubbish about him going back to Barrow and all that kind of thing. Nah, he's uh, he's Bowles number two, and he should give decent pressure to Trafford uh, for the number one spot. Yeah, because if you think that you know. 
James Trafford is an excellent goalkeeper and if he has another good season for us, we don't know what's going to happen next year. He's not our player, so we might need Joel Dixon next season. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see, but it's good. It's, it's been good hearing that he's been making good saves and, uh, and um, yeah, maybe I, I suppose he'll play the majority of the cup matches, especially mm. in the, the Papa John's. So it's good if he's in farm. James Trafford, very good goalkeeper, terrible footwear. Terrible footwear. Uh, turned up at the Addison Coles friendly with uh, Connor Bradley uh, wearing Crocs. Oh, not Crocs. Yeah. I mean, James. I love you, James, but not Crocs. Deary me. And I'm sure at one stage his uh, baseball cap was turned backwards as well. It was uh, <laughs> It was quite the sight. It was quite the sight. But uh, he seemed to be enjoying himself. Another person who's enjoying himself, Sharon Britton. I got a picture of her laughing and joking with uh, Catcher and with uh, Rico after the game at Watford. Um, lovely picture, great to see as well. It does sum up; they're in a good place. The the whole whole club seems to be in a very good place as they go into this new season, which is really good to see. Um, just a, a quick one on the B team friendly. The first ever B team friendly at Atherton Coles uh, happened last night as we're recording this on Thursday morning. Um, didn't quite go according to plan. They lost 1-0 to a really late goal, but there were a few a few decent performances and it was nice to see a lot of the fans as well, a lot of uh, established fans who turned up to have a pint of schooner and watch a bit of football. It's uh, it's always a good it's always a good laugh anyway at Atherton Coles, isn't it? It's a nice atmosphere. Yeah, I was there last year and I really enjoyed um really enjoyed it and yeah, it seems that the you know we discussed Bolton's relationship with Charlie a few weeks ago, and it's it's nice to see that the Atherton relationship is. I mean, he's been there for years, hasn't it? So it's it's mm. good that you, they'll appreciate even when a B team turns up, Bolton fans are turning up and putting money into the the club. So that's great. Um, I mean, with a B team, it's just, I mean, realistically, it was the I guess it's their first game playing all together. Did you expect a bit more or we would we be harsh in saying that? It was a difficult one because it was quite a dry pitch. It was quite... Uh, Atherton Colts haven't got the the sprinkler system and such like to be able to do too much with it, but it, it was a, a perfectly playable pitch. It was just quite a slow one. I feel like they may have got a little bit more joy on, on, a, on a better pitch, if you know what I mean. Um, they were trying to play the same way as the first team, which is good to see. Clearly, the kind of cohesion the interpersonal relationships are not quite there yet but there were a couple of good performances I, I like the look of uh, uh, Connor Stanley the Manchester United player who's, who's had a little touch of the first team stuff as well he can play across the front three he looks like he's, he knows what he's doing um, Connor Carty as well I'm trying to isolate my Connors in my mind uh, Connor <laughs> Carty as well the, the Wolves lad the Irish uh, youngster um, really impressed me he looked to get things going. He was very positive on the ball. And uh, Linford Saki as well, the uh, ex-Reading right-back. Very positive on the ball again. Um, he played 90 minutes as well, so he, he was quite influential throughout. So there was a few few very decent performances. Max Conway on the left-hand side as well. You'd expect him to look sharp because obviously he's been training with the first team the whole season. Um, you can expect to see a bit more from him, senior and people like that. Good, you know, faces we know, Luke Hutchinson. So it's it's an interesting team. I'm really looking forward to seeing how it goes. Um, it's it's not going to be perfect straight away. Of course it isn't. But that kind of football against that kind of team, they're strong, they're streetwise, 
you know, it's it's a different atmosphere than under twenty threes or or youth team football that the lads will have been used to. So it will it will help them, won't it? Just just having that. Uh, it's like going on loan to a non-league club. You play a different style of football, a different type of football. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think it's good. It's good that they are getting. Uh, they're seeing what the club's all about. We're meeting some fans and um, and everything like that. And they're seeing that yeah, Bolton. As on goals, Bolton are massive wherever they go. Um, <laughs> but uh, also playing in that system, and, and I'm sure you know it, it'll take a few uh, a few games. Um, but yeah, they'll they'll fit right in, and hopefully we can then get a few of them who by the end of the season are, are pushing for uh, spots on the bench in the first team. Right before we get to the headlines, a mention for a terrific new book from the guys that brought you the White Love fanzine. In the early 90s, the good, the bad and the ugly. Really well-written account of what it was like to be a Bolton Wanderers fan. From the late 70s to the mid-90s, it's composed in like a diary style with matches that shape the club. And it, it really brings to life uh, kind of what it was like in the on the terraces in Burnham Park in those days. Some some really happy days and some really miserable ones as well. It's all in there. It's, it's a really, it's a funny account. It's honest. And I was lucky enough, I got given a copy at the Atherton Coles game the other night and I read about two thirds of it in one sitting, went to bed really late. It's really, really good stuff. Um, Written by Dick Smiley, assuming that's a pseudonym, and Paul Hanley. Um, If you want to check it out, go to www.whitelove.co.uk. Grab a copy, read what they've got to say because the website's been relaunched as well. There's loads of stuff on there to read, some stuff uh, that they did in the fanzine back back in the day, which is really funny. Um, I love the fanzines, by the way. I, I really, I wish, I wish they could come back at so in some way, shape, or form. But um, yeah, go to www.whitelove.co.uk. Have a look, read the good, the bad, and the ugly. Really interesting stuff. Ads over. Let's have some news, Henry. <laughs> First news story this week is about Ronan Darcy. He's the last one of the famous Junior Whites team that drew against Coventry 0-0 to leave the building. We've discussed it the last few weeks Mm. and, um, you know, we were saying, well, it's it's been a a real story of this, uh, of the book the last few weeks. We started by saying, is there a place in the team for him? And then there were rumours that were going and now he has gone. So we can now put an end to this mini uh, story that we've we've developed. Um, so he's gone to Swindon, and I think it was. Do you know what was nice of of seeing? You know the reaction to it was, of course, the fans have all been saying good luck and wishing wishing him the best at Swindon and chatting with Swindon fans online saying that he's a good player. But hearing what Ian Ever had to say and then seeing as well a few of the players commenting on Swindon's announcement saying well done, mm. it's mm. He, he must be well liked among around the club. Well, he's been. At Bolton Wanderers for, well, 14 years, he turned up as a seven-year-old. So I don't think there was anybody really, a senior potentially, but who was more ingrained in the way that Bolton Wanderers are. Uh, you know, he, he's seen the best of Bolton Wanderers and he's seen the worst of it. He's been through it all, hasn't he? And when he, he popped up on the scene at the end of that, horrible relegation season from the championship and it was a bright spark and and obviously he came through the junior white stuff and and he looked like being kind of you know the 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 bright white hope if you will for 
for the for the academy at the time. It hasn't worked out like that, but dead popular lad, really good lad. Um, I, I've always had a lot of time for for Ronan. Hasn't quite worked for him on the pitch for whatever reason, um, but that doesn't mean it's it's the end of the road for him in any way, shape, or form. And I think that the, the move to Swindon's a really good one. You look at the style of football they play at Swindon, and, and I know Ian Everett made the same comment. He, he does feel genuinely that that's a, a cracking move for his career. No bitterness, no kind of, oh, well, he didn't give me a chance or anything like that. It's It's been very, very well managed, and, and that's the way it should be, really. That's the way you, you really want it. It can't always happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was really uh, it, it's sad in a way. You'd have always liked at least one of the junior whites to go and uh, score the goal that took Bolton back into the Premier League or, you know, whatever else the, the Hollywood script writers would have liked. But Darcy isn't going to be that one. We'll have to wait for Senior to head that goal in, I think, and uh, mm. and rewrite history. But it's a good play. I mean, it hasn't quite happened for him, has it? But do you, do you have any kind of regret on it at all? Um, no, not really. I think, yeah, he's he did do well in that League One season where we got relegated and he was one of the shining stars in it. And yeah, people got excited and thinking that he could be that, that, that player. But I think realistically, all of those players promoted too soon to, to play. Um, and we've seen that now that we have got back to being a, a normal football club again and brought in players of the standard that should be playing for Bolton Wanderers. Um, unfortunately, those lads have have, have not been there. And, it, it, I mean, it'd be amazing to, to know whether, if we were being run as a normal football club at that time, whether these lads would have gradually got into the first team. You know, mm. they, they could be... Ironically, they could be playing in the first team right now if they'd had a different... Um, route into it, uh, so I guess that's that's one for the uh, line of doofy, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, what ifs. But um, no, I think it, it is a shame, and it's yeah, the the romantics amongst us all would have loved that, to, you know, them to have a great career and like the class of '92 with Man United. But realistically, we're a club that's moving on. We're doing it at a fast pace, and unfortunately for these players, we're doing it at a faster play, a pace than. Um, you know, than what they have developed. Mm. Also, uh, just a, a note on that. So, Jay Fitzmartin uh, playing for Addison Coles as a trialist on Wednesday night. So, good to see him back. I hope he uh, he gets something there. It's a good club, Addy Coles and uh, Fitzmartin. Local lad like him. I always thought he'd uh, he'd have a chance. So, fingers crossed for him. Um, give us another headline then. Um, yeah, well, there's the. I mean, it has been a quiet summer for Bolton with signings, but there have been two that have been uh, we've been looking at from Ireland this week. So, uh, Owen Toll, we spoke about briefly last week. Um, so, have you got an update on him? And secondly, this Eric Yoro, is it Yoro? Yoro, the centre half? Eric Yoro, I think his name was, uh, I think. I, I think so. Um, I don't know a great deal about him, to be honest. The only reason why his name has been catapulted into the headlines this week is that some bright spark took a picture of him as he was doing his uh, club uh, promo stuff. Um, they're not very popular, by the way. Whoever whoever leaked that photo is not popular um, hmm. amongst the faults a lot. Somebody sent it to me and said, uh, do you know who this is? And I, I looked at him. I thought it looked a bit like um, uh, Gerald Sitole. Um so I was like, is it him? And within about 30 seconds, I had about 
10 people jump on it. No, it's not. It's Eric Yoro it's, or, or Yoro. And I thought, who the hell's Eric Yoro? I, I had to Google him. And obviously he's been playing at UCD in, in Ireland. Um, looks like one that uh, Owen Doyle has given a recommendation Potentially, and he's he's obviously over there in Ireland playing himself, so he's he's keeping an eye out for Wanderers. He certainly has given a recommendation on Owen Toll, um, who is at the minute he's still got a second leg of the uh, Conference League to play against Riga. So there was a a conversation this this week by all accounts on the cards to talk about how much they did want for him. They've had one bid rejected. Still looks like it's on the burner to me. It still looks like it's going to be very possible to me. Um, but I think they're just trying to just stagger it along so that minimal impact is made on his performances during this Riga game because it would be worth um, a fair bit of money to them if they were to overturn a 2-0 deficit and to get a result in Riga. So I think they're trying desperately to, to keep his focus on that game. Um, but I know that uh, Wanderers are quite confident they'll, they'll get their man and... You know they'll have a a good young defender on there. The more I the more I hear about him, the more I think he's got half a chance. So, um, is it? We said last week, didn't we? It's good to see him fishing in in different different pools, and uh, and centre half arguably the the one position where there's not quite as much cover as there could be. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think you look all over the pitch and Bolton are yeah are pretty stacked at the moment up front and in midfield. So you do look at defence and. I think, um, yeah, we, we're looking for someone who can come in and replace Santos if he's ever injured or, you know, play along that back line. I think on the left-hand side with Iredale and Johnston, we, we're OK. So it is the other side and in the centre. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a market that, you know, I don't think enough teams really look into the Irish League. There's been so many Irish players that have come over to the UK and, and in, the, um, in the English leagues in particular who have done well. I think I don't think there's enough that, that necessarily look over there. So if we can get a head start using Owen Doyle as a scout, then it it could be very beneficial for us. So I'm looking for if it comes off, which I'm sure it will. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he how he does, and uh, and then that that I think that would be if you look at the rest of the pitch. Um, I think that then that would mean that we have pretty much got a player in an extra player in each position. You know, we could have two. We could change the whole eleven and still be okay. Mm. So, uh, which is good because it takes me back to last December when we didn't have that and we were struggling. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think in the in the olden days, I don't know. There's still our city, obviously, do quite a bit of it, but they had sister clubs over in, in Ireland. I know um, teams like Everton and, and United and, and such like in in the nineties, in the eighties, used to have a sister club, and if if any good young players came through, they automatically kind of got transferred over and. Um, maybe Bolton can strike up a relationship like that in the future with uh, with an Irish club, but at the minute, Agent Doyle is doing a, a cracking job. So, um, right, okay. Next, next false headline. <laughs> well, the next false one is, um, and this this came about the other day, and it was completely out of the blue. I, I believe it's come from a Wrexham forum randomly, but um, yeah, the uh, Wrexham Declan John to Wrexham rumor for half a million. Certainly got Bolton fans talking. Some saying that's not enough. Some saying we should snap their hands off. But you can, uh, what can you categorically say now that that's just a rumour or, or is there something in it? No, I can categorically say, having spoken to both managers, that there's absolutely zero in it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
absolutely zero nada bud kiss in it whatsoever. Uh, I, to be honest, it, it, it was barely worth talking about. Had I known that right away, it was barely worth talking about. But I, I kind of logged onto Twitter. Uh, was it Monday morning? I think it was Monday morning. And I had about five messages from people saying, what do you know about this? And they were kind of transfer sites or, you know, fan, Bolton fans. And I thought, it doesn't doesn't ring true to me, but you kind of, sometimes if there are a lot of people are saying the same thing, you, you kind of check it out. So I made a couple of calls and, and nobody could say it definitely wasn't. And then as the day went on, I'm getting other reporters and guys at Wrexham phoning me and said, listen, I've heard this, I've heard this, I've heard this. And it, it was it was building a life of its own, this story. And, I, I, you know, it never made any sense to me because Phil Parkinson had Declan John at Sunderland, for example, and didn't play him for a second. Why would he now fork out 500 grand to bring him back? And would Declan John, who is playing really well for Bolton, is pretty much guaranteed to start, I would have said, at, at left wing back for Bolton in League One. Why would he transfer back and play National League football? When he's got designs on being in the Welsh team and, and you know, due respect to Wrexham, I know they're doing, I know they're a much different club than they were, but they're not going to be at that level for, for a good couple of years yet. Um, you know, unless he really does like Deadpool. Hmm. Could, could he happen. doesn't. Well, I love Deadpool. I love Deadpool, but would I be willing to drop two leagues? Not sure. Not hmm. too sure. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, just out of interest... This half a million, you know, we're not trying to move Declan John on. Obviously, he's a good player and playing well for us. But, I mean, is that the sort of uh, transfer, sort of, um, is that what you think he'd go for? Do you think we'd, we'd, he's worth a lot more than that? What would you, because he's 27 now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a case, I suppose, that that sort of fee wouldn't be wouldn't be a million, million miles off. I would have said a little bit more if you if you'd have asked me without me knowing anything about the the numbers of the story. I probably would have forecast something towards seven fifty for for somebody like Declan John. Um, but we, we said before, haven't we? I don't think we can afford to get too protective over transfer fees and and what what players are valued. You just got to basically trust the club that they know what they're doing and that they are going to try and trade players in the future to be able to get this whole sustainability thing running. Um, that's probably why people didn't discount it immediately. Mm. Uh, Everett said, you better have deep pockets if you're going to come in and get your better players. I would say that 500 grand is a little, a touch on the, the cheap side, probably for a bid, in my opinion. But um, it was just, it was a, it was a non-starter really from, from the start for me. But... Well, let's move on from it then. And uh, speaking of Ian Everett, he spoke this week and after the Watford game and said, as great as it was to beat Watford and as good as the, per- the performance was, that's not the result of, sorry, that's not the, the cyber team mm. that worries him. It's playing Burton on a Tuesday night. And we've discussed this so many times about how Bolton need to learn to win ugly and also go into the likes of Fleetwood and Accrington and Burton on, um, you know, on, on pitches that have had, looked like they've had cows grazing on it for <laughs> all week. Um, I, I, it's, I mean, do you think that, that was the missing thing for Bolton last year. If we can sort that out, would would it have got us an extra, potentially the extra six or nine points we we needed to to really have a prom- uh, playoff push? Well, no question. I think if it have come out of Burton and, and uh, um, Plymouth was a bit different. It was it wasn't a bad pitch at Plymouth. It was just a terrible no. uh, Fleetwood, for example. Um, they've 
and, and it, it goes into League Two as well. They didn't didn't do well on bad pitches. Uh, I think Mansfield is the only one that, that springs to mind where they've gone and and played in an absolute cow patch and and still got the results. So. I think it's just a, a case of they like to play a certain style of football. There may be a slight mentality issue, and that's where that's where Ian Everett's going to have to get a team within that squad where you can say, right, okay, it's an, it's a horrible surface tonight. You know, we're against an horrible team, and we we know it's going to be long ball. So Declan John, okay, you're you're coming out tonight, and we're going to stick in Jack Iredale. Um, mm. You know, on the right hand side, Connor Bradley, right. You you step out. We're going to stick, you know, Gethin Jones on the right hand side, for example, and then bring Will Ameson in at the back, and just solidify things. Because I think that flexibility within the squad has not always been there for one reason or another. Now he has got that, and he's got players like Bob Varson and Bakayoko, and this physique, and there's uh, there's a bit more, uh, you know, metal about them. I think. Uh, this season than there has been in previous seasons. So I think they will be better suited for that sort of game, provided everybody's available. Um, it, but it's the mentality thing for Bolton. I still think there is a slight hangover for the size of the club and the fact you play in the Uniball every single week. When you go to a, a poor stadium or you know a Morecambe or, or, or Fleetwood, that slight ego needs to drop and you need to mm. be able to carve out results there. And I just hope that that can marry up with the fact that you've got the, the, the defensive options now. Yeah, I think last year has, last year was, has hopefully um, been a learning curve and yeah. we've still got a lot of the players from last year. So hopefully they'll look at some of the performances and go, right, well, that's where we were. We were lacking, or we need to show a bit more fight, or we need to play differently when we're on those pitches. Play it in the air a bit more. So hopefully we can we can see the benefits of that um, this year. Um, right, the last headline is about injuries. Uh, Bakioko has missed the last few friendlies. Uh, he's joined Sheehan and Isgrove, um, you know, on the injury list. Have you got any updates on all three of them? Yeah, so Bakioko uh, uh, obviously had. Uh... Well, it was, it was a knee injury in the end, wasn't it? He had scans on a knee injury, pulled up in training. They were a little bit worried about him, but he watched the Wigan friendly with a very light bandage on, to be honest. He said he was quite sore, but uh, Ian Everett seems to think it'd be a couple of weeks. So maybe back for the Huddersfield game, I should imagine. Test it out a little bit and see whether or not, but maybe that puts him a slight doubt for the start of the season. Uh, Josh Sheehan is not far away, I suspect that they won't play him this weekend against Carlisle, but I, I, they may get a couple of minutes against uh, Huddersfield on a, on a obviously going to be a good pitch and against a certain type of opposition. So I think um, we might see him before the season starts. Isgrove is a little bit behind him. So I think we are talking maybe a few weeks before he gets gradually integrated. I wonder whether that will happen with the B team. Will they, they take the chance to bring him back at that level Obviously, he did last time, and that's when he, he did his hamstring again. Um, but uh, I think they would have to pick the right arena, let's say. They'd have to have a pitch that was that was definitely going to be okay for him. So um, wait and see how the fixtures maybe stack up in the Central League before we know or can forecast where Isgrove comes up. But they're both back, uh, Sheehan and Isgrove, after long-term injury. It's great to see him around the place again. Um, definitely looking forward to having them back. 
um, and then yeah, backer, fingers crossed, nothing, uh, nothing too serious there, and, and obviously he'll be in contention for a place at Ipswich. Very good. Um, yeah, it's, it's nice that the. I mean, it's, it'd be great to have Sheehan and Isgrove back. Obviously, long term injury uh, injuries for them too. But yeah, you you want you want your, your strong players playing, and Bakayoko has, has definitely been that. He showed glimpses in that Longridge friendly when he scored a great goal. So um, yeah, you don't want him. You'd rather have him in the squad than not. So that's good to hear. Right. Sounds like time for a bit of a post bag. Is that Philip Moresh? Emails, actually. Once again, we have picked out some of our very best emails just because we get them, quite frankly. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so yes uh, one from Alan McCall uh, hi Mark and Henry love the pod as usual excellent stuff the stadium music conversation reminded me of a brief dalliance the club had with Heather Small's song Proud which I don't think I've ever heard mentioned again and I can't remember what season or whose idea it was but it seemed to go on as soon as it came on the scene have I misremembered it was probably in the big Sam years Henry can you remember Proud by Heather Small being used at Wanderers um, I can't actually. No. Um, so yeah, that'll have to be any anyone out there who remembers that get in touch. Yeah, interesting. Um, I, I know the song. It was everywhere. Yeah. It's one of those songs. Sometimes you wonder whether people write songs because they know it will be used for a certain type of event or a certain type of thing. Like when Prince wrote 1999, he must have mm. thought in a few years this is going to be massive. You guarantee yeah. it. And it's going to have a short shelf life, but it's going to be like Disco 2000 put by Pulp. I think Jarvis Cocker knew that song was going to be played to death that year and then pretty much... Oh, it's still played to death now, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes you, you write a song with that in mind and I'm sure Heather Small did that. Um, and not, I mean, You name me another podcast where you get a bit of M people talk. There's not enough of it. There's not. I, I don't even think there's an M people podcast. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, the move must be the only one. I must remember to put that in the uh, the SEO, um, just in case there are M people fans out there that uh, that are looking for a bit of podcast discussion on the uh, the motives <laughs> behind Heather Small's writing. Um, Alan also adds, uh, if you've not already raised this, uh, with the women's Euros taking place, it seems strange with the location and size of the ground that the Reebok, sorry not sorry, uh, was was not chosen. And come to think of it, doesn't seem to be get picked for under twenty one games ever these days. Uh, but it's still regularly mentioned for rugby. I'm just curious why it doesn't seem to fit these occasions for whoever is picking grounds, brackets, not Jonathan grounds, not picking mm. him makes complete sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, what do you think? Should should Wanderers have, have pushed forward for the Euros? Um, I think, I mean, sorry, I'm just thinking Jonathan. Jonathan Grounds plays for Exeter. He's going to make his grand return to the Reebok this year, actually. Good grief. What do they do down there? They had Dean Moxie and then yeah. Jonathan Grounds. Are they just picking up the words? Like, Gerald Sid must be thinking, how have I not got a deal at St. James's Park? It's amazing. Anyway. <laughs> um, sorry, yeah, a little bit of a, just off, off the track there. Um, yeah, I think... Um, a shame but you know I, I i don't know i think um i know that the lee sports village does host united ladies team yeah. so maybe that's be, that's the reason why um 
yeah, I, I can only presume that that they wanted smaller grounds as well as the bigger ones, um, and that's the reason they've they've chose layover Bolton. We might not have, have fancied it because it's too close to the season. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's probably right. Probably the size of the stadium. They've they've got kind of mid range stadiums in in and amongst like Amex and and things like that that they've been using. So. I think they're just trying to spread it out geographically to get as many people in. I I live in Lee. I can tell you that you don't want to have the Euros on your doorstep if you can help it because uh, it clogs up the roads. Something chronic. They just open fan parks and block roads randomly for no apparent reason. Um, and uh, it was it was not pleasant uh, last weekend when they played uh, Portugal and Switzerland. Um, but enough of Matt rant anyway. Um, yes, I, I do think... I spoke to Neil Hart at the start of the summer and they were talking about putting the stadium forward for more sporting events and more football events. And I think the under-21s did get a mention and women's football did get a mention. So watch this space. I think they have got that in mind in the future. Um, this one is from Tim Hume, which I, I think he also had a, an email last weekend. So I think I can call him a regular correspondent now. But um, this is probably for you, Henry, because this is not my area of expertise he says whilst well, trying to catch a live stream of last night's friendly at Watford a few media related points struck me uh, which you might be able to comment on uh, he says do these seemingly dodgy live streams of pre-season matches actually work if you sign up to make an account for obvious reasons I was low to do so as the match was behind closed doors it would seem that the only official Watford crew so only the official Watford crew could actually provide live coverage as no third parties would be allowed allowed in um if there is an arrangement for live coverage with whom is this um, mm. is it, um i don't think for, for for my two pence worth i don't think any live coverage was actually made there at all no i think yeah i've seen those sort of sites advertising that and um i i the thing is, when you look at Watford v Bolton stream, you can you can have an argument for it. And these sites, you know, they clearly just want you to sign up, um, you know, and then I, I don't know from there on. But um, so I was a bit sceptical about it and I didn't sign up to, to them. But I did. I do know they're about the thing that Gary, the thing that had it for me and the thing that made me think, yeah, these are all a scam or most of them are a scam is that when they were starting to advertise Atherton Calls v Bolton B-team streams on Twitter, I thought, yeah, there's no way, there is no way there is a stream for that. So that's what confirmed it for me. So, you know, it's, it's obviously up to everyone what we do. Um, you know, it's their details. But for me personally, I, would, uh, I, I wouldn't be putting my details into those kind of sites. It's a mad, mad world. Uh, having seen the and I use this expression very loosely, TV gantry at Atherton Coles, I can confirm that even if even if you did want to watch a live stream, there is no way there is a camera with enough zoom to be able to get anywhere near the pitch. Hmm. Um, so number t uh, second point he makes, is there a live blog uh, for any of these matches? Um, he could only see uh, goal scores on the Wanderers page. We've met, we touched on that at the top. Uh, yeah, Watford said no live reporting from that game. Um, so there's not much we can really do about that. I just had to do my uh, my match report on the final whistle. It's a bit of a bit of a shame, but such is life. Um, so the last point he makes is: Do you know how iFollow will work this season? Last uh, last season, I could only pay a tenner to watch some matches. 
but not all whilst in the UK. Um, I thought I'd read somewhere a few weeks back that discussions were underway, but I've not seen any announcements. Well done on the podcast, well done at Watford. Um, says Tim, who's on holiday in the Philippines. Um, so we were talking about this off air, weren't we? About if you are abroad, there is it's it's easier to watch I follow because in the UK you can only do games that are not three pm on a Saturday. Mm. Is that right? Uh, yes, that's my understanding. Apparently, they're going to open that up when the World Cup's on, so you can ah. watch. Uh, you can watch three o'clock kickoffs while the World Cup's on. Which, looking at Bolton's fixtures, I think. Uh, we, I think we play Fleetwood in that time. We've we've got a um a, a let, well, I'm online now. Let me just have a look. Um, so around the World Cup time, the matches that we will be able to watch, I think it's um maybe Cambridge away that'll mm. suit obviously long away, uh, so that'll suit people. Fleetwood away, I think we'll sell out anyway. So anyone who can't get a ticket, that'll be beneficial. And then um Shrewsbury away as as well as Bristol Rovers at home. So. I think it works out quite well for Bolton. There's quite a few away games there. But, um, yeah, other than that, I think it is abroad. But um, I, I don't know with... Uh, it, this should all be made clearer, really, shouldn't it? I don't know with using a, a UK bank card. I don't know whether that means you can't purchase it while abroad. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, it's all weird to me. I've got to be honest with you. I will try and find out. Maybe I should stick uh, Dan Barnes on that job. He can do a do an article telling their fans exactly how they can watch Wanderers on iFollow this season. Um, but uh, Match Day Live is on every single game, every whether it's B team, A team, doesn't matter. We uh, we're always there. So at the very worst, follow the action with us. Um, so uh, yeah, thank you. And if you want to sign up to Mark's uh, stream from the press box. <laughs> <laughs> on his mobile phone, then uh, yeah, search markisles.com forward slash. I'm going to take your money and not provide any service. <laughs> yes, my uh, my Russian friends have uh, set up a, <laughs> a lovely uh, little uh, bank uh, detail transfer uh, account there. Um, right, okay. Before we before we close off everything and and finish off the show, I just want to remind you that this season ahead, it's not wondrous related. Uh, but we are running a special mini league for fans of the Buff Podcast. And I've already got my hands on a couple of really good prizes, uh, which I'm thinking about dishing out at the end of every month. Maybe the most successful team every month gets a, gets a prize, something like that. Um, so about 50 teams have already signed up um, and I've barely even mentioned it. So I'm really happy with that. Um, but next week, I'm going to hassle a few more Bolton Wanderers types, pull their finger out and get a team started so that you won't only be you know, going up against me and Dan and Henry, I'm sure is going to enter it. Uh, Cause I'm just going to yeah. tell him you've got to, you've got to enter one as well. But <laughs> um, not only us, we're going to have a few people you may know from Wanderers as well. Uh, the league's called the Buff Invitational and the league code will be buried in the notes for this podcast um, and on the Bolton News website as well. It's all, it's all just good fun, but we could win a couple of uh, Wanderers prizes along the way. So get involved. So something a little bit different now, um, because I was talking the other day uh, to some of the, the staff at Wanderers about programmes and whether or not in the future we can probably expect to have one and whether they're going to go digital. I'd be sad to see them go personally uh, because uh, they've been something I've grown up with as a, as a football fan and I have a garage absolutely packed with them. Um, and the best thing about programmes for me is the player Q&A because you can learn more about a player in one of those Q&As uh, in, in a, on a couple of pages or in like two minutes of questions than, than 
all the articles in the world. So um, you have some cracking answers. Uh, I remember reading one out on that Frank Worthington episode we did. Um, that's my favourite one of all time, I think. Um, yeah. So I've I've picked out a couple of random programs just to uh, to have a look at some of the some of the questions and answers. And also, I spotted that we've got a quiz on one of them. So uh, me and you could take the quiz. Fancy that? Andy Johnson hanging around. My second cousin saw him at the training ground. Miguel Veloso signing every time. He just can't ride on the dotted line. Transfer rumours, gossip consumers. I saw him at the Asda checkout buying crisps, cheese and onion. Transfer rumours, gossip consumers. Helicopter in. Jerome, he just doesn't want to make it his home. Tom Barcusen went on and on. So long, the deal was dead and gone. Transfer rumours, gossip consumers. My brother decorated his house, Magnolia mostly. Transfer rumours, gossip consumers. Patrick Cliver ready to go. to made some of this up this is a half-time quiz from a program uh from uh, bolt wanderers versus leeds united in 2015 it's a big picture of craig davis uh, on the front there and just looking down the looking down the back some cracking players adica johnson was still here uh no oh, jabane beckford was there that's <laughs> different um Good old Mido Kamara, Chungi. Oh, they, they, they were happier times. They were happier times. Well, yeah. Were they? It's 2015. Is that that would be Lennon, wouldn't it? So Lennon wouldn't have gone entirely sour yet. Um, so <laughs> right, let's let's start the halftime quiz. Anyway, uh, we've got a couple of minutes. So who scored an own goal for Leeds as they lost 4-1 on this ground in a Premier League fixture in May 2004? Oh, that was um, Ian Hart, was it? It was Ian Hart. Well done. Um, I, I've not seen the answers to this, so I'll be able to chip in, but I'm going to do the reading mostly. Um, so, what was the score during Leeds' first visit to this venue in April 1998? Oh, I actually I remember this. I was there. Uh, the 3 2, they won. Both Bolton lost. 3 2 to Leeds, well done. Yeah. Um, which Bolton loan player had a goal disallowed during that game? God, that's niche. Oh, seriously! If you if you get this, you own the podcast. Um, John Sheridan, Gaetano Galanza. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, who scored a hat trick for Leeds against Bolton on Boxing Day two thousand and one? I know that one. Um, Boxing Day 2001. He's, he's, at one point, he'd scored more goals against Bolton than any other striker in the Premier League. Oh, um, Robbie Fowler. Indeed. Uh, true or false, Neil Redfern, who was the manager of Leeds at the time, was on the score sheet during his time at Bolton. Uh, it, has, it has to be true, surely. Yeah, true. 
It is true. He scored against uh, Rotherham United in September 1983, of course. Um, so, uh, question number six. Name the three clubs that the Leeds manager, i.e. Neil Redfern, played Premier League football for. Well, that's a good one. Um, Barnsley? Yeah, Barnsley, relegated. Bradford? Bar- Bradford, relegated. <laughs> and... Uh... Ooh, who else would he have played for? Um, I can tell you what common denominator is if you want. Is it a Yorkshire club by any chance? No, they're London. They're South London. Uh, uh, Palace? Charlton Athletic, relegated. Charlton. Yes. Ah, right, yeah. So, yes, Neil Redfern has been relegated from the Premier League more times than any other player, famously. Um, who scored his first Bolton goal in nearly four years in a 5-1 win for the Trotters at Ellen Road last season? Oh, I remember that. Um, Zat Knight. Zat Knight is correct. Uh, yes. So bad that even Zat Knight scored. Uh, <laughs> who scored twice for Watford in their 2-2 draw with Leeds in October 2012? For Bolton? Apparently so. Oh, sorry, who scored twice for Wanderers in their 2-2 draw with Leeds in October 2012? Oh, oh, I know this. It's super Kevin Davis. It is? Well done. Good plan, yeah. Uh, I covered the game. I still can't remember it. Um, which of his former teammates was in the Leeds team that evening? Good God, that's how, how on earth are you supposed to know that? Oh, um, yeah, in, uh, don't know. In the Leeds 2012 squad, El Adjuf was playing, apparently. Was he? Oh, right. played for Leeds. I don't, actually. Uh, I, I don't remember much of his career after... Uh, all I remember about Jufi's career after Bolton is when um, he was stood next to Sam Allardyce when uh, Stuart Holden scored. And oh. yeah, they, they both had <laughs> glum looks on their faces. That's right. Um, okay, last question. I'll say, which Coventry legend made his debut for Bolton versus Leeds in April 1983? See, I know that one because for whatever reason, I remember this player. Yeah, don't know. It's Brian Burrows. Oh, these you you put these questions together. This so you really are. I can only imagine that Simon Marlon was doing the quiz back in those days. I mean, that is that's pretty niche. Uh, it would take me not just half time, but I think I'd, I'd miss the second half whilst I was sat there thinking of those questions. <laughs> There's no way on earth. Had you not been there to help me out, that would have been second half completely missed. Right, Q and A time. Q and A time. Now I've got three Q and As here. Um, one of them is Hidetoshi Nakata. Now, I've got to be honest, it's a little dry. It's not great. Um, among the things we learn about uh, Hidetoshi Nakata is that he uses the internet a lot, which is quite obvious. Um, he said the most expensive thing he's ever bought was a house in Japan for his parents. Right. Um, which is nice. That's really nice. Yeah. He's a family guy. Um, he does wash his own car, which is good. Um, he plays lots of video games which is fine. Um, and then he says the last book he read uh, was written by his mate about cultural differences in Japan. Um, oh, right. Quite an erudite, yeah. erudite, uh, erudite fella. Um, also, he says, uh, which team, do you, the question is, which team did you support as a boy and what was your favourite player? He says, uh, when I was a child in Japan, they didn't show matches on television, either from at home or overseas. So I never had a favourite team. It's only in recent years that football matches could be watched on satellite channels. Can you imagine growing up without football? 
Uh, poor Carter, like uh, I, you know, I was desperate. I see. I mean, he could have he could have played it a bit better. He could have, his PR could have been good. He could have said, "Oh yeah, uh, when I was growing up, my favorite player was Neil Watmore, uh, <laughs> and they'd show Bolton every week." But um, no, not his his press team must have uh, had a day off that day. I remember. Um, Simeon Slavchev sitting in a press conference and trying to claim that he wanted to play for Bolton Wanderers as a kid. <laughs> and you just thought, nah, mate. He said, because apparently they used to play players on FIFA quite a bit. Um, there we go. Uh, right, Sammy Lee is next up in our Q&A uh, discussions. Uh, first car he ever owned, was seven, he was 17. It was a Morris 1100. It looks awful. Um he says, uh, if you're not watching football on te- television, what other sports do you watch? Uh, NFL. He's a Patriots yeah. and 49ers fan, apparently. Little Sammy Lee. Um, and this is an interesting one. What is the scariest movie you've ever seen? So what do you think would scare Sammy Lee? Um, oh, it'd be something small. Chucky. Chuck, Chuck is a decent shout. It's quite a scary film. Um, I always thought if, if something was going to scare Sammy Lee, it'd be something like something with big steps, surely. Um, or, or something that uh, The Exorcist, maybe that's got steps in it. Um, it's Salem's Lot, apparently. He says it starts the David Soul and James Mason. I don't get a lot of time to watch films, but that was a horrific movie and it still sticks in my mind. I've watched Salem's Lot. It's about as scary as Toast. <laughs> it's it's in no, the the book was all right. It was one of Stephen King's books. It was it was all right, but it was blooming awful. How on earth did you get scared of that? Sammy Lee, sort yourself out. Um, also, another thing, I pick I pick this bone with Sammy Lee. Uh, what domestic chores do you do in your home? I'm rarely at home, so I'm afraid to say very few. I'm not very good about the house, and I'm lucky my wife Diane looks after me wonderfully. One job I do is take our two West Highland Terriers for a walk. Oh well, that's good. That's uh, it's nice. I mean, uh, at least he does that. I, 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 unconfirmed rumours that he does make her go out and pick their mess up. He doesn't do that himself. He, um, he makes a note on his phone where it is, and then she's got to go and pick it up. But, <laughs> yeah. What do they call it? Geo tracking. Yeah. <laughs> Um, right, this one. This is the last one. Um, you'll be probably glad to hear. Uh, Ricky Sprager. Do you remember him? Uh, yeah, vaguely, yeah. Ricky Sprager was the unlucky guy. When Sam did the whole panorama thing, or the panorama did on Sam, rather, um, he banned the BBC. Um, so Ricky Sprager was one of his first-team coaches. He was the only guy that would talk to the BBC at the time. He was sent out. So instead of speaking uh, to Allardyce yeah. or any of the players, you had Ricky Sprager for a whole season. I um, do remember him. He went. Did he manage Sunderland as he, well? He was certainly at Sunderland. I can't remember whether he managed them. He was definitely there. Yeah. Um, he's a lovely guy, actually, Ricky Sprager. Just not like not very Hollywood. Um, <laughs> so a couple of the little bits and bobs from Ricky Sprager. Uh, he can't name his first pet, but it was a canary. That's a bit weird. Okay. Uh, biggest joker in football, Tony Coton, um, who's yeah. uh, the, the the ex goalkeeper in. Ex-goalkeeper, I think he, he was on the scouting staff, I think, at Wanderers at one stage. Um, the most famous person you've ever met. Now, this is Ricky Sprager, who he's been about football a fair while at this stage. Um, I met Charles Hawhey, the former Irish Prime Minister, and also the comedian Jasper Carrot when I was at Birmingham City. Right, OK. So, I mean, 
I would actually Jasper Carrot. Yeah, he's he's quite famous amongst maybe our older listeners. But to say that he worked under Sam Allardyce, yeah, um, I'd probably say Big Sam is more famous than them two, perhaps. This is May two thousand and six. You have Nakata on the front page. Vaz Tay and Ab- uh, Abdullah Faye dancing on the front page. On the squad list, you know you you have players like uh, Akocha, Bogetti. Uh, you have Gary Speed, you have Bruno Gotti. All of these guys are more famous, I'm afraid. Yeah, um, and, yeah. and actually, in this in this particular game, it's against Middlesbrough. On the opposite team, you have uh, you know Matt Baduka, you have uh, Yakubu, Downing, uh, Ray Parler, Mendieta, Hasselbank. You have Gareth Southgate, for Christ's sake. So, <laughs> Sprager, pull your finger out, lad. Um, this is the last one from uh, Ricky Sprager. Actually, it's not the last one. It's the second to last one. Um, do any of your friends, did any of your friends become footballers, sportsmen, or successful in any other walk of life? He said, one of the friends I grew up with was Derek Forbes, who went on to become the guitarist with Simple Minds. <laughs> so, there you go. They you were go. quite famous. They were quite famous. So, Ricky Sprager did know a famous person. He lied in the other question. Um, he went. To, he went to school with the lead guitarist of Simple Minds. Um, he says, "What's the last book you read?" He says, "The last one I completed was Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code, which I really enjoyed, and I'm looking forward to the film being released." Now, that's that's not terribly remarkable at all, um, except for the fact that this program was preceded about four weeks earlier by the Sammy Lee one. What was the last book you read, Sammy? Oh, it was The Da Vinci Code, um, and then that one was preceded a few weeks earlier by Sam Allardyce, which I also have here. Whose last book? The Da Vinci Code. Do you think they just... Sam bought it and he's just basically passed it around his coaching staff? Yeah, and I think it went further and further down. This copy of The Da Vinci Code has been passed further and further <laughs> down amongst both, and he's still there. It survived <laughs> the administration, uh, and now I believe uh, Ted Muldoon has got it, the kit man. <laughs> That's it. Do you think there's like a, a shelf at the training ground? You know, when you go into a, a coffee shop and they've usually got a, a, a shelf of battered paperbacks that people can read if they if they want to, or yeah. or, or leave a <laughs> leave a pound and take home. They've got Sam's copy of the Da Vinci Code. Maybe, <laughs> may, maybe that's a, a line of duty uh, to do at some stage. But uh, I love those Q and As. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out a few more next week and and see what we can do. Um, Right, okay. We just mentioned, let's mention the, the the next game. By the time we come back next Friday, uh, we'll have played a friendly. And it will be at Carlisle, which I'm quite looking forward to. Uh, what, do we, what do we need out of the Carlisle game? Um, well, I think more of the same from Tuesday, really. It'd be nice to get a win um, and a few goals. You obviously, I think that's the thing in pre-season. It's as nice as it'd be to win 1-0. Um, I think deep down, we all want a few goals. So if we can get three or four... Um, but you know, just yeah, more minutes in the legs. I think. Do you think now we're getting into the last few friendlies? Do you think we'll start to see more of what the first eleven will be against Ipswich, um, mm. or can you see eleven changes happening after sixty minutes again? Yeah, it's a good point actually, because on Tuesday at Watford, certain players played sixty, seventy minutes, so we are starting to build towards that ninety-minute marker. And you would expect potentially Carlisle to be the reverse of what happened on Tuesday. So you'd have different players playing the 60-70 minutes. And then the last 90 minutes would be the, the Huddersfield one. So the Huddersfield one will be the most accurate portrayal, you'd say, of the, the starting lineup at Ipswich. 
and also they're quite a similar style of uh, team as well. So, yeah, be interesting because this is this is basically your last chance to impress Carlisle if you want to be in that team for Huddersfield, which you would say would be the dress rehearsal. And certainly the lads at Watford did themselves no harm whatsoever. So yeah, it'd be interesting. I think this is a this is a a, a lineup that's that's worth scrutinising. Um, going going against everything we said earlier about friendlies, but I think uh, it's starting to get more serious. I agree with you. A few goals would be nice, especially having played against a certain style of opposition in in Wigan and Watford in the last two games. Due respect to Carlisle, they're not quite at that level. So yeah, you'd hope to have a decent. Uh, a decent win really under your belts and, and to give the fans and, and also that's a different environment as well because you're you're suddenly playing back in front of fans again and it makes a big difference doesn't it yes it does um yeah i think uh i i think uh, you know like we said before about the friendlies behind closed doors and i know like i know the atmosphere for a friendly match is not going to be like it is in a league match maybe you could have got that if we played wigan to a crowd yeah but um yeah, I think it does. It does help when you're playing to a crowd, and uh, you know that's more like the. Um, it, it's more like what we're going to get on the first game. I think, like you said before, when you're playing behind closed doors, it can kind of it can become a training session mm. a bit easier. I think so. Uh, to have our last few now in front of fans, and then to be back home as well against Huddersfield next week is uh, is good. Well, that is all we have time for. A bumper episode once again of The Buff this week uh, with loads and loads of games to uh, talk about. So, yes, we'll be back next Friday. Please tune in. Please keep your emails coming. If you do need the email address, then just look on the notes in this uh, podcast or on the Bolt News website and you can email us directly, no problem at all, because we love reading your letters. Um, Next week, we'll be looking ahead to that Huddersfield game. We'll be looking ahead to... Well, League One, you know, it'd be, it'd be starting to get serious, Henry. I mean, that, that's the it, it, time is a ticking now, mate. It is, yeah. We're on the the countdown. Uh, by the time we release the next episode, I think we'll be within ten days of the the new season, or well, a week. So, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's all exciting. This this time of year, our every well, barring a few clubs, you mentioned Birmingham at the top of the show. I think Birmingham fans are a bit. Uh, are not very confident at the moment but I think for the majority of clubs you're going into a new season confident um, you're, you're hoping and it's it's that nice feeling ready for 5pm uh, on the first game to be then brought back down to earth with a bang yeah. um, but no it's all good and uh, yeah it's, it's, it's very exciting it's an exciting time to be a wanderer so uh, hopefully we can we can build on it and when we're talking throughout the the next month, we're uh, we're all positive. Aye, if I was a Birmingham City fan, I'd be more worried about Jim White's chuffing uh, countdown clock. To be honest, if that uh, gets an airing again. But uh, until next Friday, I have been Mark Jim. Put your tie away, Isles. And I have been Henry Simon Simon Jordan Simon. Let me speak, Simon Hewitt. And this has been the buff. Uh, direct all lawyers' questions to henry.hewitt at uh, we don't care.com. <laughs>